Let's pray together. Lord, uh, we, your children, we get so burdened down by responsibilities and cares and worries, Father, and problems that we sometimes feel like we're just bumbling around here on this, this earth, this planet. It's so many uncertainties, Father. Would, would you please place your hand under our chins today, Lord, and just lift our faces up to you? that we might see that although we are harassed by many concerns, you are already at the end of the journey, and you see, Lord, you see what we cannot. You see that all is well, and you will bring us home safely in Jesus. You will make sure, Lord, that the right things will happen at the right time for the right fulfillment of your will for us. And Lord, truly with uh, that same confidence, we want to we just believe, just as our brother Paul did, as he asserted, that we know whom we have believed and we're persuaded that you are able to keep all that we have committed to you until that day when Jesus Christ returns. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me in prayer. Today. We're looking today at, uh, we're continuing our, our series here on aspects of heaven things that uh, maybe that uh, just to remind us of new things well not well things that maybe we didn't know before or they're not new of course the word has them there for us but uh, I'd like to talk to you today about that heaven is really waiting for God's family to arrive God has heaven prepared for us and it is a place uh, waiting for us to arrive more so than probably we're aware at times in our in our spirits I'd like to use a springboard here of Psalm, or excuse me, Romans chapter 8 here as we look at some of the, uh, what uh, uh, we have to look forward to and how God has prepared, uh, done so many, um, well, prepared so many things to enable us to be able to get to that place, to arrive there. And the Apostle Paul speaks about it here in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 25. And he first of all says, so, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his what? His suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected uh, to God's curse because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, because of their sin. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from the death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope 
for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Amen. Well, what a wonderful text, loved ones. Our, t- our days here on this earth have always been uncertain as far as the good life is concerned, isn't it? You know, when your people, they, they do their hardest to work toward the, you know, the retirement years when they're trying to prepare for the good life, right? Maybe the better life. And yet, how quickly things can fall apart, can't they? Health-wise, the economy can go sour, you know, all kinds of things can, can go, go wrong. So there's a lot of, you know, when you try to find the good life, that's, that's a hard thing to find, you know. But God so personally loves us that we, as we face uncertain days, and again, none of us have any guarantee of tomorrow, we can find peace, we can find the courage in God, knowing that he is masterminding our lives, huh? Paul, he uh, had committed his, his life, his body, He's committed his character, his reputation, his life's work, everything that was precious in G- into Jesus' care. That's what he meant when he said, I am persuaded. You know, I've committed everything to Jesus. I'm, com- I'm, I'm confident that he can keep those things for me. Our days are certain in Jesus. They're uncertain in this world, but they are certain in Jesus. Amen? Amen. You know, it's been said, I, 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 I like this, it's, it's been said there is no better place to be than in the center of God's will unless it is in his presence amen unless it's in his presence yeah so it's best to be in the center of his will right now but if we die then that's even better that's even better that we go to be with him loved ones can I assure you that the devil is still a liar and God is good the devil is still a liar and God is good and no matter what is going on in your life what if uh, no matter what's going on health-wise, financially, you know, re- relationally, in your family, uh, uh, in your marriage, whatever's going on, the God is, is still good and the devil is a liar and the, the Lord is for us and not against us. Jesus is preparing for us a, an astounding place where uh, for us to live for all eternity. And all, all through the scriptures, have you noticed, maybe sometimes we get used to hearing it all the time, we don't, it doesn't really impact us, but all through the scriptures over and over, this theme of, heaven, of a heavenly home and experiencing God's glory is just repeated over and over and over again. And that uh, we're going to experience the Lord like that forever. That's, it just keeps from Abraham to King David to Jesus to the apostles. Matter of fact, even before God created the heavens, you know, the, the skies and the and outer space and the universe, the, before he created the earth, the Bible talks about how he had planned a place. He had planned for us to be with him in heaven forever where we could dwell with him forever. Oh man, oh, what, what a day that will be when God will dwell once again with his people. He's not dwelling with us now like he's going to dwell with us then. The Bible makes that pretty clear. In the book, uh, book of Revelation here, I have it for you. When Apostle John said, then I saw in Revelation 21, he said, then I saw a new heaven, new skies, and a, new, a new creation, and a, a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, that is us, the church, the people of God, 
the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. <laughs> that just keeps, that is the theme, and of course that's the, that's the, we just, that's from the, the last book of the Bible, but that's the theme that is carried throughout the entire scriptures. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Amen. Isn't that the ache of our hearts? Uh, that's just the ache of our hearts, uh, loved ones, to actually be dwelling with our Creator God. The, the Bible says that there, that the that uh, actually all the present creation aches. It groans. It moans for these days of suffering. These days of decay, these days of disease and death to finally be over. These days of trouble, these days of heartbreak, all creation, the Bible says, moans and groans for it to be finally over. The, the trouble, the hardship, the, the, the suffering, regardless of what some TV preachers might, might tell you, uh, you know, th these things are a part of every true Christian's life. This is what uh, we have much tribulation, Jesus said, in this world. You know, on their first missionary journey in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas were very clear to instruct the new converts in Christ that you're going to suffer a lot as you enter in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> you're going to suffer a lot. There's going to be many hardships as you, as you enter the, the, the kingdom of God. I mean, can you hear the suffering going on right now? <laughs> yeah. I know just how she feels. Yeah, there's just, uh, it's just the way this, this world is. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 8 here. You know, when we look here at Romans 8, we, when we believe on Jesus, what does Paul tell us? When we believe on Jesus as our Savior, we must learn this truth. And the truth is that every serious follower of Jesus Christ, that God did not give us a fearful spirit. That when we're saved, when we, Christ enters our life, there's a transformation that takes place. Now, we may have to learn it. We have to, God gives us that, that transformation, and we have to educate our minds, because sometimes the devil tries to make us afraid about a lot of things. But we have to educate our minds with the Word of God and learn that we are actually quite brave and very courageous, because God gives us that Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us. We have to learn to hear His voice, and we have to learn to know who He is, but that's what Paul is saying, that he did not give us a spirit of fear that disables us from obeying and fulfilling God's will in our lives. We can fulfill God's will in our life. We can obey his will. We can discover it. God is not, he's not trying to hide it from us. We just need to be obedient to Jesus and he'll lead us from one step to the next as to what his will is and how to obey him. Amen. It's wonderful to be a Christian. This whole thing about being fearful, this isn't talking about a, a personality trait. I mean, if you're timid before you become a Christian, you'll probably still be a little shy afterwards. It's not talking about that. It's talking about that something deeper than that. It's talking about a, the spirit that would want to, this attitude that the devil where he disables you from obeying God or disables you from being able to fulfill God's will for your life. 
Jesus, he gives you, God gives you this Holy Spirit who empowers you and enables you to overcome. Suddenly, you were at the devil's, you know, you were, you were, uh, you were under his thumb. And now because you believe on Christ Jesus, he's under yours. You no longer need to fear him. He's just blowing smoke at you. Yeah, he, he's, he's a very difficult foe. I'm not, I'm not belittling him at all. He's difficult. He's harsh. He's powerful. But when he sees the blood of Christ, when he sees the cross in our life, he's inept. He's weakless. And he's, he, he, he has, he, I just say he's powerless. He, he, has no, he has no strength against us. He flees when we're resisting. Amen. It's a marvelous, marvelous transformation. We need to stop and really think about that. I've got to tell you, as, as a boy, I was always uh, much, much braver, <laughs> much, much braver and less fearful when I was with my dad or mom. I was always, uh, I recall once when I was, I think I was simply six or seven years old. Um, sometimes Becky, she thinks, you can think back on these things, remember these things. I don't know why, but I can. I can, I remember these things. I, far, my earliest rem- memory is when I was two, two years old. I'm not, I'm not lying to you, it really was. I mean, uh, some people think that they can remember, you know, darkness and then suddenly light. You know, like when they came out of the womb, but that—that's—I don't think that's possible. But, uh, but um, you know, I don't think that's that's true. But, but uh, I remember very clearly. I was I was at my my grandmother's house. My and there was some sort of a family reunion, and I didn't know these people. It was, it was uh, people were there that I hadn't seen. I didn't know who they were, and so I was just kind of hanging out in the living room. I was six or seven years old, just and I was sitting in the sitting in a in a chair, just sitting there watching people. And suddenly this, this relative, some strange relative I'd never seen before, a woman approached me and scowled at me and angrily told me to get up out, get up out of that chair. This little kid, so I, I got up and, uh, you know, she was breathing fire. And uh, <laughs> she was mean and she was breathing fire, man. And I, so I, I got up. I, I just didn't see any familiar faces around me. So I felt, I felt even more fearful and... Um, I, I got out of there. I went out the front door and remember I ran outside and around the corner of the house and I I started crying. I started bawling. I was around the side of the house and I was by myself and I was crying out there. And uh, hey, I, I was sensitive, okay? I was a sensitive child. You know, I was sensitive. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how my mama found out about it, but she found me outside crying crying and she took my came and got me she took my hand and she led me back into the house and with no hesitation whatsoever she led me right up to that offending relative and she informed them that I belong to her she asked if that relative had mistreated me and all kinds of excuses began to blubber out and flow I recall how my mama just informed this distant aunt, I guess is who it was, that she was to never mistreat me again because I belonged to her. <laughs> I was like a, a baby cub underneath a mama bear, I tell you. That's what it was like. 
Um, I never had any trouble again that day at all with that relative at all. I, my mother was amazing that day. Just amazing. Loved ones, the Holy Spirit is that way with us. When it comes to any power, the devil, the world, sin, wanting to terrorize us, he, he says to you, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Whatever the new trouble is in your life, you don't need to be afraid. You belong to God, and that makes all the difference. He has made you his child. He has adopted you. He gives you that affirmation in your spirit that you truly do belong to the Lord. So there's no need to be afraid. Whatever it is that's raising itself up to discourage you. Even if you've grieved him because of some sin, you don't need to stop, you know, not to worry about him not loving you. He's going to love you. He always will love you. And he calls you to repentance. And so get up, stand up, repent, and get up and stand next to him again. If sin is if sin's a problem. My cousin worked for this particular doctor as an administrator in the office, and um, my dad's uh, my dad's formal name is uh, Lauren, L-O-R-A-N. Um, his middle name is is a name I've never heard anywhere in all the universe except for him, and it's a uh, Edgebert and. Uh, he never tells anybody yet because everybody calls him Egbert, so we, they, don't, they don't tell him. But, uh, but his, uh, his, his formal name, his first name is Lauren. However, his nickname since he was a toddler, and I don't know how this came about, is Pooger. That's his nickname. Yeah, it's a great name, Pooger, and, uh, or they call him Pooge, and I, don't ask me why, how he got that name, but ever since he was just a toddler, and he's 92 now, so when he's a toddler, that's, that's when, he, when he got that name, Pooge or Pooger. Well, um, this nurse, apparently at, this do- at the doctor's office, um, what my, my cousin did apparently, uh, um, said, hey, listen, um, when you go out there to call my uncle, call him Pooger. You know, just to see, just to see, to see what happens. You know, you know that's uh, it's kind of special. Uh, you know, when nicknames are special, aren't they? When you become familiar enough with somebody to be able to call them by their nickname, that's a good feeling. Isn't it a good feeling? You know, You're like you know, I, um, you know, I, I know this person well enough to call him Butch, or I know this person well enough to call him Slim. Now, I mean, we're we're really close friends now, and so. Um, my cousin said, when you go out there, uh, you know, to call Lauren back to the exam room, why don't you just call him Pooger and see, see, see what happens. So this nurse, she opened the lobby door and, and she said, Pooger Cox. And my dad, he jerked his head up and but did a double take and he thought, wait, I, I don't know you. How do you know that name to call me that? How do you know that name? And he just, he didn't, he couldn't figure it out. He thought, you know, only people who are my close friends or who are my family call me by that name. My dad was trying hard to figure that out. Uh, how in the world did it, how he, maybe he didn't know this. Maybe he, he'd forgotten who this person was. He, he didn't remember the nurse at all. The nurse finally laughed and told my dad, he said that my cousin had put her up to it. And because, you know, it's an honor to get to the point in a relationship when you know someone well enough to call them by their special name, isn't it? In a similar way, loved ones, when we receive Jesus into our lives as Savior and Lord, God adopts us into his family. 
We are no longer standing on the doorstep outside God's house, so to speak, but we are, we are welcomed inside through Jesus. He comes inside our lives. He makes his home within us. And as, as, a, as a comforting, loving father, the Holy Spirit makes God's presence real to us. He assures us that we are no longer strangers to God that we're children of God, that we belong to God, our spirits are welcomed into that intimate friendship with God. And we no longer worship God from a distance, but we welcome, we, he welcomes us right up into the holy place, the holy dwelling place. And the friendship we feel with him swells up in this intimate expression of friendship. And our souls cry out, Abba. This is one place in the scriptures where this word's untranslatable. I mean, it's, it's father, but it's not father. It's, um, this is a really intimate word that Jesus brought to us when he prayed to the father. He, he called him Abba. It's not the music group at all. It's, this is totally different. It's Abba, father. Some people say, well, he's, it means daddy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean daddy. It means papa. No, it doesn't. Doesn't mean that. There's no there's no way to translate this word, and that's why it's not translated. It's it's a it's an expression of intimacy that God brings to us through His Holy Spirit that we didn't have before Jesus, before Jesus came as our as our Savior, and that when Jesus comes into our life, we we learn how to understand it, but there is a intimacy with God that is there that wasn't there before where we know him as Abba as intimate friendly close understanding caring father we know him by that name that no one gets to call him unless you know him Abba just as Jesus prayed. Again, Abba is untranslatable. That's, that's why it's here. Paul says that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave God's children in doubt about their adoption as God's, as God, as belonging to God. The Spirit actually affirms or assures us that we belong to God. We don't have to doubt it, but as we simply trust Jesus and believe what God, what the Bible says, there will come that moment or moments when an impression comes with uh, to us that we belong to God and we really are a Christian and that's what makes Christianity unique above all other religions or faiths in the world is that there's a connection to God where God assures us that we belong to him amen he belong John Wesley used to really struggle with this where he was so religious he he read the Bible he did all kinds of good deeds he did so many wonderful things but he didn't have that witness of the spirit that he really was a christian he uh one time he he was as part of his duties he would uh, attend um, the execution of prisoners and uh, there was a man who was going to be hanged and um he uh he was in uh, they were took the man from the prison and and uh, on the way to the, to the execution spot and John Wesley was in 
was in the wagon with him and was reading the Bible to him, reading to him the gospel about how to become a Christian, how to believe on Christ as your Savior. How Jesus had died for this man. And, and although John Wesley wasn't a Christian, he said, I didn't have the confidence that I was even saved, but I thought, well, I'll go ahead and tell him what the Bible says. And he said, I told him what the Bible says, that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as, as, as your Savior, believe that he died for you, you know, believe on him as the Son of God, that he will forgive you of your sins and will save you. <laughs> and this ignorant man, this man who had hardly any education, this prisoner who was going to be executed, he listened to the words and he believed. And John Wesley said his countenance changed and he was like happy that he had a savior. He had this confidence that he was going to be going into heaven and that there was something that changed in his life. And John Wesley said it so impacted him thinking, how could this man who never heard much about the gospel suddenly believe and here I know so much of the Bible and don't have that assurance, that confidence that I'm a Christian. So John Wesley began to seek the Lord, began to seeking the Lord, you know, about uh, trusting the Lord and having, wanting to ask the Lord to help him to have faith and to believe. And, and eventually something changed in his life. He, he was listening to a reading one night of the book of Romans and the Holy Spirit spoke to him, impressed his heart and warmed his heart, John Wesley said, that he had believed on Jesus and was actually belonging to God. This is what John Wesley said. He said, the witness, the witness of the Holy Spirit is an inward impression on my soul, whereby the Spirit of God directly witnesses to my spirit that I am a child of God, that Jesus Christ has loved me and has given himself for me, that all my sins are blotted out, and I, even I, am reconciled to God. Amen. Well, Paul goes on to say that we're actually God's children. And that means also we are heirs. We are all oh, we are heirs with Jesus. Not uh, you know Jesus is an heir. We're not heir there. We're not an heir on our own. We're there because Jesus is there, and because God gives all things to Christ. Well, then He's going to give all things to us too, because we're connected to Jesus. Amen. If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd be lost, bound by our sin and and under the judgment of God. So all the glory and wonders that God will share with Jesus for eternity, they're going to belong to us as well, loved ones. Let me close. Paul informs us that the, uh, that the labors and the, the trials and the struggles and the hardships and all the sacrifices that we face now, um, you know, that we have those things because we want to honor Jesus and that they're very small because in comparison to the glory that God's going to display uh, through us in heaven. Right now our present home here on earth is, is under the same stresses that we are. Um, all, all creation is, is like us. We, we, we feel well like we want to, to badly go back to those days uh, of the Garden of Eden. <laughs> when there was no problems, where there were no, no problems, and where the creation wasn't under the curse of sin. The earth longs for the return of Jesus, for the old creation um, to be destroyed and the new creation to, to come in, into, into existence. That's what the earth is longing for now. The earth longs for death and decay uh, to be over. We ache deep inside our bodies that uh, that uh, we will be free from this decline, we'll be free from, from the pain, the suffering, and death. We know that God will one day 
give us a life that uh, is in the fullest, is the fullest because we have a foretaste of that life right now within us through the Holy Spirit. We long for that day when God will give us our full rights in Christ and we'll be fully redeemed. Amen. Every time now that we see a tornado, every time we see a hurricane, Every time we see a forest fire, every time we see an earthquake, a a volcano explode, every time we see a lightning strike, that's a reminder to us the earth is moaning for a new day. The earth is moaning for a new day. Every tragedy, natural tragedy that we see, the earth is moaning for a new day. Every time you see a lion kill kill a gazelle, the earth is moaning for a new day when the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Every time you see the things, the heartbreaking things happen around you, the earth is longing, moaning, groaning for a new day. Every time we step and have, well, we feel ourselves in pain, it's our bodies crying out for a new day. We want a new body. We're moaning for, for, a, for a new one. Every time you see a, a, a child starving or even an animal starving and, and, and almost, almost dead because of starvation, the earth is moaning for a new day. The Holy Spirit reminds us that heaven is waiting on us, that God's going to share with us the eternal riches of heaven. And we moan with them. But the promise is there, isn't it, that that new day will come. Next week, we're going to look more, look more fully into this whole aspect of how, what kind of body, what kind of day, what kind of creation God is going to give us in that due day. Let's pray. Dear Lord, today we once again thank you for an opportunity we have to come and just be reminded of your truth, be reminded of the things that really matter. Lord, we pray that as we leave today, that our minds will be refreshed, our hearts have been refreshed, and that we will uh, um, look up to you, that we will trust you, that we will seek you with all of our heart, knowing that the things that we see now are not the last things. They, uh, they're not, the, they're not the, our, our future, Lord. These, our future is beyond these things. I pray, Lord, that you will help us. You will help us to not become depressed or discouraged, but that we know that our lives are in your hands. We pray that, that as we fellowship with you, that, that we will continue to grow in our intimacy with you, Father, knowing that, that uh, even though our bodies are wearing out, you're going to change all that one of these days. Even though this earth is wearing out, you're going to change all that one, one of these days. I pray that you'll help us to continue with that hope, that faith, and that longing. Pray your love will continue to flood our hearts, that we might be the light we need to be to other people who need the same kind of hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Lord bless you today, and thank you so much for your kind attention. And uh, be sure to encourage someone before you leave today.